Welcome to Carl and Gabe Go to the Movies, a podcast about Top Gun Maverick. It's finally here, Carl. Amongst other other uh, movies as well, but yes, Top Gun Maverick. I know, I'm so excited. I mean, I, I went out, I already saw this movie twice. I saw. Oh, you're in, sweating. Yeah, it's, it's kind of hot in here. I was wearing a sweater, I was changing into a t-shirt now, so. <laughs> Gabe always sweats during the podcast for some reason. I, I think it's the excitement. It it's the excitement of... Uh, no, I'm speaking about movies, about, you know. I don't think it's the excitement about the Whoa, podcast. Whoa, he just reclined. This think, is getting comfy now. I think it's the, like wearing like big headphones on my head and like the laptop on my lap and all that stuff. I don't know. Yeah. Sorry. Just, I just, just looked over and I just saw my body temperature. I just saw like you were just kind of wet. <laughs> so I was like, oh boy, he's really sweaty. Yeah. That's why I <laughs> changed into the t-shirt. That's anyway. Why, I was already feeling hot before we started recording. Uh, anyway, yeah, let's actually talk about the movies and not my perspiration levels. <laughs> um, Top Gun Maverick. Uh, I mean, we waited for years for this one. I mean, the first Top Gun came out in what, 1984? Uh, uh, and 1986? So, is it 86? Yeah, 86. Yeah. Okay, so, but anyway, it's been, you know, almost three decades since Top Gun or over three decades. I'm 30 years old. I'm three decades old. Yeah, the movie came out before we were born. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it's been a long time, people waiting for this movie. And then on top of that, this movie was supposed to come out two years ago, right? Like, this this was filmed in, in uh, 2019. This movie was supposed to come out in 2020. Um, you know, kept on getting pushed back. People, I was, honestly, I was even like kind of disappointed i was thinking to myself i don't even care anymore like it's not going to be worth the wait and boy was i wrong yeah a lot of people doubted that decision right with you know tenant dropped during the pandemic when people were a little bit scared to go to the movies again yeah i just checked it's made 783 million dollars worldwide uh, worldwide so far crazy yeah so it's great yeah, and on I think it was a one hundred and seventy million dollar budget, so it's well in the green. Tom Cruise. That's is. crazy, though. When you look at like everything, and I think the fact that everything is practical makes this movie just so much more glorious. Well, like, it's not not everything. Well, practical, most, most of, of it, everything yeah. is practical, and in today's they, standards, that's everything. Is obviously, practical. they weren't actually shooting. You know. Yeah, they're probably shooting blanks, though. <laughs> they were probably shooting blanks. With like, so they were probably shooting blanks, and then they had explosives, whatever for whatever it hit, right? Mm-hmm. I think that they use a lot of pyrotechnics as well. So I think a lot of this movie was practical. I was watching how they made this, and like the just the amount of work it took to get these, you know, and the actors were in these jets flying in the sky. They had no, the director wasn't speaking to them, so they had to cue everything. Uh, in their heads, you know, counting in their heads, going, yeah. okay, okay, now I should, now this happens, and now this happens, and you know, and they're flying in zero G's, doing all these stunts. Obviously, they're not flying, but they're uh in the airplane that is flying at that speed, and all that they had the camera gear inside the jet. You know, a lot of the reactions in the movies are actually not acting; it's actually mm. like the character, the actors reacting to like dropping, you know zero g's or whatever yeah, yeah. and stuff like that no, there's definitely a lot of genuine reactions there the one so. funny one is um when, well, in the final scenes when they go to blow up um uh miles taylor's character uh his head hits the top of the mm-hmm. and that was actually a real thing and they decided to go with that take because yeah. it felt so genuine and he because he they they just 
go really fast, really fast mm-hmm. down, and he like flies out of his seat and smokes his head off the. And they kept it because they're like, this is a genuine like. Yeah, you can see in a lot of these shots that these actors are legitimately pulling quite a few G's here. Obviously, not the amount that you know that the no. movie says they're not pulling ten G's or whatever. I don't but know like, if that's possible you, for an actor. No, they would all just pass out. But uh, I think a lot of them did during the filming. Oh, for sure, they probably did. Yeah, these are. I mean, you know, they probably did a certain amount of training to be ready for this. But you know. <laughs> just because you train Cruise, doesn't mean yeah. that you're ready for it. And Tom Cruise is old, right? Like he's yeah, but he uh, he ran a, a school for the actors. Yeah, where he taught them how to do some basic stuff in the flight, and they actually trained in that in the plane. I think at the with propeller plane, they they trained in some propeller planes early on. Okay. Um. Anyway, that all being said, it's just a fantastic movie. It it, it, it hits everything. I mean, let, let let's let's just go back to the beginning. We'll kind of okay. make our way through it. Right off the beginning, we get the uh, Jerry Bruckheimer logo that we haven't seen in like a movie in forever, right? And you go, right? Oh crap! Like the movie gods of the eighties have come back to bless us with one more banger. Like it's just like, yeah, you you see that off the off the top, and then we get the Danger Zone remake, basically, right? And it says uh, music by Harold Faltermeyer. Lady yeah. Gaga and Hans Zimmer, and it's like, oh, oh, man. oh baby, the triumvirate, <laughs> yeah, the holy trinity of whatever. <laughs> I'm in Danger holy. Zone. I was just sitting there, and Danger Zone started playing, and I just was like, oh my god, this is so sick. <laughs> and they did it so similar, but it's all obviously modern. Yeah, but it still feels yeah. so classic. I, I was a little bit worried at that point. I was like, oh no, like like. It, it was like I was excited for the song and you know the the, the homage to the original movie. But I was like, "Oh, is this whole movie just going to be like a total like remake and it's going to be like pretty much the same movie?" But no, no, no. it was not. It was. It was basically it was, the plot of the first Star Wars: A New Hope. Yeah, <laughs> or at least the end of A New Hope. <laughs> yeah. It definitely it, it it owed a lot to the previous Top Gun and definitely a lot to Star, Star Wars, Wars. I would say for sure. Yeah. And also to Mission Impossible movies. Yeah. It's, Tom Cruise's uh, Pete Maverick Mitchell is, you know, there, there's a lot of crossover with uh, Ethan Hunt. I think every character Tom Cruise is basically the same guy mm-hmm. in different... <laughs> different. So yeah. we're going to have a multiverse of Tom Cruise one day. <laughs> yeah. And all his characters are just the same guy in different <laughs> multiverses. And they're all going to meet up one day. You know, the guy yeah. from Top Gun, the guy from... Uh, what's the car racing one? Days of Thunder, yeah, <laughs> the Risky Business Kid. That's you know they're all gonna meet one day. Rain Man's guy. Yeah, yeah, it's it's all very similar. But then, so then the first bit of the movie, I don't know. I it was it, it's good, right? But I I was not sure what to think of the movie yeah. for the first little bit. You know, they bring in Jennifer Connelly's character, who is a new character, but they, they at first. Even though I've seen the original Top Gun, I don't know, probably five or more times, I was like, was Jennifer Connelly in that movie? And I just don't remember. <laughs> like, the way that they introduced her was like she was like a known character within the Top Gun universe. And then I found out after seeing the movie that that's a character who is mentioned by name, right? That he dated an admiral's daughter or got caught with an admiral's daughter or whatever. And so that that's who this character is supposed to be. Um, yeah, um, I feel you well, at the beginning when the first little, like, I'd say the first half hour, actually the beginning was epic. And then when he flies that right. super jet, that's epic. And then yeah. it kind of, 
the bar scenes at first, I was kind of like, I don't know. And it kind of dragged just a well, little bit right there. Here's my problem with that first bar scene it is that it, it gets way too on the nose with, you know, the the flashbacks. Like, it, it kind of treats you... I understand why they have to do that because I'm sure that a lot of people <laughs> who saw this movie have not seen Top Gun. Right. Like, just They just heard, like, you know, that this movie Top Gun Maverick is awesome and they went and saw it and they didn't necessarily see the original. So I understand why they need to have those flashbacks in. But if you've seen the original Top Gun and you're very familiar with it, like we are, it kind of feels like insulting to your intelligence to be like, look, this is Goose's son. And here's a flashback of Goose singing the exact same song. And you're like, yeah, I I already knew that, dude. Like, I knew that he sang Great Balls of Fire. (laughs) Yeah, I think it was effective to kind of bring you back to like, yeah, you're right. I I mean, I guess it was just just corn. Just if you if I understand that they have to do it for the people who haven't seen it. But even but, for people who've seen it, maybe you haven't seen it in like ten years. Yeah, but it was just—it was just a little corn. It was just. Really, I think they. It was I think really they were corny. like. I think they wanted to be like, we're really selling that this is like a flashback moment, like this is re- resonating with him because this is the only I, thing I, I have I think to say. You could just do that with his face though, without actually like being like, you know. Look, Goose saying this. Here's yeah. Goose and Meg Ryan singing, <laughs> 1986. Um. The thing I thought it was a little off was the fact that he is still still so obsessed with Goose. Like he has pictures of Goose <laughs> and and Goose's son and Goose's <laughs> wife on his locker. He's got, you know like I mean come on man have your own life like I, you can have one picture of Goose somewhere but <laughs> yeah. your entire locker shouldn't just be Goose. It's kind of weird. It's a little obsessive. <laughs> it is. It is. But he feels bad. He is. Yeah, he but was, for like thirty years. His, well. I say in quotations, his fault that Goose died, right? Obviously, you know, the Navy cleared him of any wrongdoing. It wasn't his fault that he got caught in the wash or whatever. Yeah. Well, either he was too aggressive, I guess, but. I mean, he killed Goose. Like yeah. that. That's, he, well, his and decision also the, making, the ejector they didn't work properly. That's true. That's not Tom Cruise's fault. Everything is Tom Cruise's fault. He's a Scientologist. <laughs> um, Do you think all his characters are Scientologists? you think that's written in his like, no, contract? No, I don't think so. I don't Tom think Cruise is like, I'll only be in this movie if my character is silently a Scientologist. No, I don't like, think any of them are. <laughs> I don't think you can silently be a Scientologist. I don't know. <laughs> Not that any I'm familiar with. I'm so like thrown off by Tom Cruise because I love Tom Cruise. But like I can't get over the fact that he's a Scientologist. He's a he's a weird cat, man. He's I don't know. He's, he's, but he's a any, strange dude, but he's out here, he's saving cinema for us. So. Does anybody make movies like Tom Cruise does? No. Like does anybody just get action correct? I know that's the thing, is that like I it, it it's so hard to explain this properly because I get so annoyed with dumb action movies, right? Like we'll talk about Jurassic World Dominion later yeah, on, yeah. which is dumb in a bad way, but Tom Cruise's movies are so simple, but they do it without being completely stupid, right? Like, right. That's a great thing, like the last Mission Impossible movie, right? Like it's like, or even just like you talk about Mission Impossible three. It's like it's such a simple plot. It's just like we need. Sorry, you keep talking away from the microphone. You hear the difference? Oh, yeah. Sorry, um, but it's such a simple plot to that movie, right? All the Mission Impossible movies, but they go so hard and they know exactly what they want to do, right? There's a lot. You can feel the purpose in what they're trying to do, and they always achieve it exactly. Right. Right. And yeah, I don't know what, like, 
how to pinpoint exactly what makes Tom Cruise action movies so good. But there's just something about them that they're they're just enough realistic that they don't they follow like a set of rules in the world that they don't break. Mm-hmm. So they're believable in that way. Obviously the characters aren't like no one's as good of a pilot as, you know, Maverick <laughs> is and that kind of mission with those kind of actions. I don't know if they would ever risk, you know, four lives to blow something up. Like yeah, I, I don't know, you know, but but like right. it it respects its own rules. I think that's the biggest issue I have with modern action movies. Like Shobs and Ha or whatever that I like that one. I always bring that one up because it sets no rules and then breaks any rule you could conceivably think of. Like these are supposed to be human men. They can fall from skyscrapers and get shot. It's just stupid. And And then it ruins it. And what you're saying is exactly why this movie is so amazing. They set the rules. They set the expectations for you, right? They tell you this run is going to take two minutes and 30 seconds. And this, like two minutes and 30 seconds becomes a meaningful benchmark to you, even though you have no idea. Like, Like you have no idea how far this distance is. You have no idea how fast these planes can go, how maneuverable they are. Like, we're not fighter pilots. We know nothing about these planes. But I believe it. Like, plane go fast. Yeah. Um, So, like, but they tell you 230 is the fastest you could expect to do it. And then Tom Cruise gets up there in that awesome scene, which is probably the best part of the movie. Well, best or second best part of the movie, right? Where he, you know, he gets up there and he says, set timer for 2.15. And you just go, oh, He's going to do it. He's going to do it. He's going to do it in 2.15? Oh, my God. I thought that 2.30 was impossible. But it's like, these are just made up numbers. But you're like, because they set the rules... Right, and they show you how hard it is to reach two thirty. Exactly. They build like that tension, like this is not only a tough mission; it's like how many times like these guys aren't just going out there and doing it; they're failing mm-hmm. over and over and over. Right, so it's kind of like creating this realistic thing, like hey, no, because in other action movies, you they set a goal like in Jurassic Park, get to this remote freaking island somewhere out in the Pacific. And do it by flying multiple airplanes and jumping. And it's just, it doesn't make any sense. No human could do, you know, any of this. And then Survive here you have a hard airplane, airplane crash into an ice lake. Yeah. And, and then, yeah. And then also get into a lake of ice, get out and then be dry three minutes later. <laughs> Logic. But I just feel like action movies ignore, like superheroes movies work because it's a superhero. We know that superheroes can stop bullets, they they can run fast, they can fly, all these kind of things. So in their world, that makes sense, right? So you're not breaking the rules. In action movies where the people, where the uh, action heroes are human, they should follow some set of rules mm. that you... So Tom Cruise is really, really good at doing that, I think. Yeah, his movies always do a good job of, you know, setting, setting the parameters of... So you're not rolling your eyes. You know when you watch action movies and you roll yeah. your eyes? Because, you know... They Four the guys are shooting at you, so well. and the guys that you're not fighting are, are just standing there watching. Like you know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know. I, a lot of action movies. Don't, it doesn't mean an action movie is bad if it does that, but um, Tom Cruise is just really, really good at doing that. I don't know exactly what the formula is, but he's figured it out. Did you see the trailer for Mission Impossible: Dead Reckoning? Part oh my god, one? no! I keep meaning to to see that. Oh I'm my god, yet. it played before the second time that I saw Top Gun. And like the theater was buzzing, everyone was so hyped. Every shot in that trailer is beautiful. 
it's just like the most ridiculous action going on at the same time. That's the other thing Tom Cruise does really well in his movies. It's they don't rely heavily on CGI. Mm-hmm. You know, they're very much a lot of the action is rooted in real settings uh, with real, um, you know, explosions and all that kind of stuff. I think it does a lot for a movie to be set in that way. Um, like what movie have you what in the last little while we've watched movies that are very practical even like um dune dune yeah even dune it's like obviously a lot of cgi but a lot of elements are practical mm-hmm. and the cgi is used to like push the realism the, instead well, of the the practical sells the cgi and the cgi sells the practical exactly right? and tom cruise movies are really good at doing that and He's just kind of a badass. Like he does a lot, like a yeah. lot of his own alone stunts, which is kind of cool. It, it makes it so much cooler when when you're watching it and you like in the back of your mind, you know that's not a stunt double. Like, yeah, that's Tom Cruise. Yeah, even it adds like visually, it's the same thing as if a stunt double did it and he did it, but it just increases your enjoyment that much more. To what know, also like, increases the- this is the actual dude right here who's like doing the emotional scene is the same dude who just jumped out of the plane just now. Yeah, yeah. He's a cool dude. He's a weird, weird dude <laughs> that knows how to make movies. That's also a Scientologist. And everybody talks about him so highly, but like he's a freaking Scientologist. Like, I don't get it. Like, it's everything in my body tells me to hate him because he's, you know, like he's selling this You're, awful. Yeah. But like, you really hung up on the Scientologist. Because I like thing. him so much. <laughs> yeah. Like, I want Tom Cruise to be my hero. I love uh, yeah, the man, I but like, I just can't. <laughs> You know what I mean? He's like the true last action hero. Separate, just separate the the art from. You can, you can. It's it's easy. It's not like he's committed some type of serious crime that we know of. (laughs) That we know of. I mean, Scientology. I'm just gonna. There's been documentaries, man. Yeah, it's weird. (laughs) It's Um, a weird thing. But anyway, so let's continue on. Um, So we we get the that whole training montage of them not being able to. to do um, the run, the run, and then actually we, we we talked about him doing the the run himself. But just before that, we get a really great emotional scene with Val Kilmer. Oh yeah, that was a beautifully done scene. That's another thing about this movie; it treats most of the I should say most because there is one blaring omission in this movie, character it's, actor and character wise. What's that? Well, the, the the girl from the first one. Oh yeah, <laughs> like completely. She looks like she's an Kelly old, McGillis' yeah. character is just whoop. She's gone. We don't know what happened to her. We, but they treat Val Kilmer with such high respect. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously Val Kilmer has uh throat or had throat cancer. I'm not sure if he has or had. I'm not sure. But he had an operation. He can't really talk. So they really, it's kind of cool how they utilize that character. Um. Yeah, they use it in the character. It was so smart and so great and. It it did such a great job of being an emotional moment. It was like such a dude emotional moment though, right? Where it's like yeah. it's like two guys who like, you know, they, they mean the world to each other and it's you know, it, it's it's tough it's a tough time for both of them. Um, you know, Val Kilmer's character is close to death, Tom Cruise's character is, you know, his career in the Navy is you know, it seems like it's pretty much kaput. And but and these two guys mean so much to each other and they wanna say all that to each other but they but they but they can't really say it right like you know like just before the scene and they they hug and you know just before the scene ends you know val kilmer's character says like 
By the way, which one? Which one of us was a better pilot? And Tom Cruise's character says, "Like, let's not ruin this moment." Yeah, right? it's, like, <laughs> it's such a great little thing where it's like they can't help but just be competitive. All the like, even in their last moments together, you know, they they, they can't yeah. stop their little bickering, yeah. bickering back What's and forth cool? that they did in you know thirty years ago. Fun fact: Val Kilmer's character speaks momentarily in the movie. Mm. That's actually not Val Kilmer because he can't That's speak at I all. That's what I figured. Yeah, they actually um, CG'd his voice because I don't think that they you actually. A, I don't think you actually see his face when he speaks. I think it's kind of to the side or back, yeah. right? And they just kind of lip synced it a little bit. Yeah, they used a uh, um, um, artificial intelligence to recreate his voice. Oh, really? Yeah, it's pretty interesting, oh, and it was so realistic. And Val Kilmer got emotional when it happened because he heard his own voice for the first time. Oh, so they actually like synced it up to I, I guess so. I'm not sure exactly how it all went down, but he heard it somehow, yeah. whether it was after or in post or whatever, yeah. but he heard it and it made him very emotional because he heard his own voice for yeah. the first time in a yeah, long it's time. Yeah, it's a really emotional scene, him using the the computer to, to talk to him, right? When he types the one thing, then Tom, you know, is a response to Tom Cruise and then Tom Cruise says something. He points back to the screen again yeah, it's, a yeah. really, it's a really great moment some good laughs and some you know really good emotion at the same time i actually want to watch um the documentary called val it's mm-hmm, about val kilmer's struggle i'm not sure if it's about his whole life i think yeah because he documented his entire life i guess yeah it's he, very interesting yeah so seems like I, an interesting guy i gotta watch that too but yeah i mean so many mo- emotional moments they're all very hollywood they're all very blockbuster like moments but yeah all done really well yeah exactly it's like this is like they should film show this in film school how to do a blockbuster like this if you're gonna is, this is how you do a popular movie well so yeah. that it appeals to everyone right and it's it's just um the trend nowadays in a lot of blockbusters is to like whether it's be political for, whether it's left or right you know what i mean to send a message to and i just sometimes wish movies were just movies like I want them to just stick to the story. This movie very intentionally does that too. Where it, yeah, it's, it's very just, much like the original Top Gun was like that too. But they 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 did that here too, where you know the enemy. It's an unnamed enemy. You know, just oh, there's an enemy, and they they're trying to enrich uranium or plutonium exactly. or whatever. Yeah, and I just think that it it doesn't try to preach to you. It doesn't try to you know change the world. It's just Top Gun. You go in, you sit down, you see a bunch of guys fly jets. There's a bunch of explosions. It's sick. Mm-hmm. And you go home and you're like, yes, this is what I wanted in a movie. Mm-hmm. You know? And yeah, I just really enjoyed the experience. The experience was fun. It, 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 yeah. It harkens back to the great days of blockbusters. Mm-hmm. That's, so that scene where they eventually do what is essentially the Star Wars trench run. Yeah, we don't even mention there's like um, an evil enemy somewhere. Mm-hmm. Middle East, probably. Some, no, it's like somewhere <laughs> Arctic. Oh, is it? Yeah, I can't they remember. Were, they were in like what seemed like probably Russia. That's probably Russia. It's Russia, Russia was definitely the enemy in the first one too. So it's probably it like, Russia. <laughs> anyway, doesn't they well, don't name it? It, it would have been. It, it would. It's not like Russia. And it's MIG, so it's definitely. It's not like Russia because it's like not a well-funded military wherever they're going. I don't know. They again. had some pretty sick MIGs. That's true, but but they only had like a few true planes there. But anyway, they built some kind of facility that's. Enriching Ukraine, uh, Ukrainium, <laughs> uranium. I was thinking Ukraine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I said Ukrainium, but yeah. uh, it's uranium, and uh, they need to destroy it because they're going to make nuclear weapons. Yeah. Uh, so the mission is they have to do a trench run that ends in like a inner volcano kind of 
I think it's like an old, unactive. Yeah, it's like a dormant. I don't volcano. know some type of dormant so they have volcano to jump, valley. They have to jump into the volcano, so they have to do this crazy like, yeah, fly up, extreme G's down, hit the target, and then pull up almost immediately yeah. and hit extreme G's. And so they have to do this in two minutes and what is it, 50, thirty seconds? Yeah. So, um, well, it, it's like it's like so similar to A New Hope. Like where even like even when it comes down to it at the end, it's basically like a use the force Luke moment where it's yeah. like it's like, oh the targeting system's not working. Like I'll I'm do just, it. Like, I'll go blind. Yeah, yeah. He's just like Yeah, he's just like, I'll do it on like I'll do it blind or whatever. He shoots and Yeah, the one <laughs> character says he did this in three point second parsecs in the Kessel run. <laughs> and then and then Tom Cruise character said something about shooting womp rats back on Tatooine. <laughs> so I don't know. Maybe they just strictly rip rip the, those scenes <laughs> right out of they the original script. <laughs> they did not say those things. Although I could imagine Glenn Powell's character, uh, Hangman, <laughs> being like, "Oh, I used to bullseye womp rats back home." There was like, also a really fat pilot. So he was up. like, "Red one," <laughs> and he he died first. <laughs> you know the big fat pilot from? Yeah, I know. Oh, yeah, okay. I've, I've seen it. I've seen the Star Wars. <laughs> love, that guy was my favorite. Red five standing by. I don't remember which red he is. Um. Anyway, but so then they do it. And they do their little Star Wars thing, and then but then this is my favorite part of the movie when they come up and they're exposed to the anti aircraft fire, and it's just all over the place. There's yeah. explosions oh, going man. everywhere, and characters being like, like all done practically. All Maverick. done practically. Tom Cruise risked the lives of himself and all his actors <laughs> multiple times. It's such a great scene. Just all the. All the anti-aircraft and whatever those flares that they drop are, they go. Bah, 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 bah. Oh man, they it was so like, satisfying. They sound so good. Can we talk about the sound design yeah, in this the movie? The scene sounds amazing. It is but so much going on at once. I can only imagine the challenge of doing sound design with like jets that go hypersonic. Uh, mm-hmm. You're filming really jet, real jets. You're obviously not using the real sounds because that blows the sound gear. Yeah, but you, you got to just have like a whole bunch of like sound equipment in there with <laughs> yeah. an actor. You've already got cameras there's in a, there. There's a uh, what's it called? What are those guys? The, like a boom, a boom, boom mic on top of the jet, <laughs> trying not to fall off. Um, but they had to make the sounds loud enough that they were realistic, but also that they were blowing your ears. You know, right, you're yeah. watching, you're not getting annoyed. I'm like, oh my god, I'm sick and tired of this. You know, jet sounds and it's like shaking the theater. It was like a perfect balance. Yeah, it's such a good mix. Yeah. And then, the, like you said, the, those popping sounds when the flares mm-hmm. are so satisfying. Every everything in this movie sounds amazing, including the the score, which you know Hans Zimmer did such a great job. Oh, he's such a re, good like. Re, How do you go from Dune to this? See, and and this they're both the equally thing, amazing. That's the thing is like Zimmer does such a great job, no matter what the project is, right? Whether or not it's an original thing with a one hundred percent original score like Dune. Or it's something like this or Blade Runner, where it's an iconic score, right? And he does a perfect job of balancing the homage to the original with mixing in new elements that fit in perfectly to what the original score already was. It's I don't I don't know they, how he does it. There's he only one song always on point. There's only one song missing that I was very disappointed. And it might have been too much, but you know what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> What's it called? I don't even <laughs> for the for the love scene yeah yeah <laughs> i thought there was a perfect time for maybe they could have just had it start and then he had to jump out the window so maybe <laughs> it would have been funny if they just cut it off 
You know what I mean? Like yeah. it would have been like a little. I, 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 when she opened the door, and like as she walked into her house and then left it open. First of all, take my breath away. That'd have been so perfect. I mean, it was. I I expected it to happen. When it didn't happen, I was like, yeah. I wonder if they did it and then. They're like, okay, oh, there's we definitely have an edit out there where they tried it out and went, yeah, maybe a little too on the nose. Oh, they already have Danger Zone. They have the original score. Like, maybe they were like, this is a little too on the nose. Yeah. But there's so many on the nose on this that, like, I'm like, okay, you could have done it. Like, people would have loved it. Come on. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. You can't bring back, like, every song, though, you know? Like, you can't I know, bring but back that's play- such an iconic like, song if they for the original. Back, like, playing with the boys for, you know, the, the football scene. Yeah. But I think, I think, um, that song is even more iconic than Danger Zone. For oh, that. yeah, for sure. So I mean, that's what I'm saying. Like, anyway, it's not a big gripe. It's just something I was yeah. kind of really excited. So talking about that scene, so we haven't really talked about Jennifer Connelly's character and her daughter. Her daughter was originally supposed to be played by one of our favorite young actors, Thomas and Mackenzie. Oh, but she's too old. Yeah, well, it would have been just like a different thing, right? I guess she'd been like more of like an older daughter then. Yeah, and this film was shot in like 2019, so it so she would have been like 21. Yeah, probably 2021 20, at the time. Okay, she would have been great. It would have been I interesting. Love, I can never say no to more ten, uh, Mackenzie on screens. Yeah, like she's, she's so gorgeous, she's fantastic, she's so cute. I'm excited for. Her. She's got a movie with Anne Hathaway coming out right. know, sometime this year. Doesn't have a release date yet. I fell in love with her in Jojo Rabbit. Like. Yeah, she's fantastic. She's just fantastic. And you and you and I made you watch Leave No Trace, I think. And too. she was so good in that, yeah. Amazing. She's phenomenal. Yeah, yeah. I would have loved to see her in this movie, but the little girl who plays Jennifer. I also love her name, good. Thomason. It's such a like <laughs> it's a great name. She's, it suits her so perfectly. If you see her, you're like, that's a Thomason. <laughs> like it's such a, it's kind of a unique name, but it's like perfect for her. <laughs> but no, a, she's great. She's, she's got awesome. a very unique voice. But too, um Jennifer Connolly's sweater when they go boating. Is one of my favorite movie sweaters that I've ever seen. <laughs> She's got this great, like, um, oh, I forget what you call like the curved piping. Uh, I don't know sweaters. I forget what that's called exactly, but it's this beautiful navy sweater that she that she wears, and with the white pants. It's just like her outfits in this movie are just. So on point. She's just she's a gorgeous woman. Oh my god! To this day, just. Yeah, it's crazy. What is she? Yeah. Like 55? Yeah. Her and Tom Cruise are like... Oh, I know. They're just ageless. Yeah, it's crazy. It's weird almost. Jennifer Connelly's 52. Yeah, she she's gorgeous. So she would have been 50 when this movie was made, probably. Okay. But, it's so. crazy that it came out. Yeah, it's so crazy to, to think. I wonder if they did a lot of work on it. They had a lot of time. I wonder. I, they had to hit it out of the park, though, right? Because you had all this time. They wouldn't release. Um, I know. I... I I wonder the alternate the alternate universe where this movie comes out when it was supposed to. Would it be different? Would it have done less business, right? Or would it have just been a different movie? Maybe maybe they had all that time and they kind of re you know, if, what are you gonna do? You're gonna play with it, re edit it here and mm-hmm. there, maybe take a scene out, put a scene in. You know what I mean? They had all this time, maybe that's what made it so special is because they had maybe they didn't rush it, you know? It's possible. I I don't know. I it, you know stuff to say. I, I imagine that the that bulk most of, of this, yeah. that a bulk of it is already well, like the screenplay and all that. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Only obviously it was all shot, all all done, right? Maybe little tweaks here and there. Maybe like, they shot it, some of it. Did they shoot anything? 
during the pandemic? No, I don't think so. So it was just oh, okay. I think Tom Cruise was already on to, so to Mission Impossible by that point. Yeah, of course. Tom I mean, Cruise is unstoppable. Well, and actually, we should talk about this real quick. Tom Cruise, you know, there was that leak of him screaming at the crew, uh, talking he about wasn't how screaming. I've seen no, that. It was. It was. In, it was. Impassioned. I think all. I think most people listening to it agreed with him. Yeah, right? he was impassionedly but, speaking. But just the things that he said in that were like, you know. The industry is depending on us. We need to do this to like save movies, basically, right? That's very much so the behavior of his character in this movie, right? He he, at the beginning of the movie, when the Dark Star program is going to be canceled, you know, he says something to the effect of like, um, they're like, Maverick, do you know what's gonna happen if you go up there? And he says, I know what's gonna happen to like everyone else if I don't. Right. right. That's very much so. His attitude in this movie is very, it's it's almost like this movie is like an analogy for Tom Cruise trying to save the movie industry. <laughs> right. Where it's like Tom Cruise being like, I have to do this to like save, you know, these people, their jobs and like, you know, prevent the drones from taking over, taking over as like, you know, the the way that we do bombing runs or whatever. It's like it was like very much so an analogy for like Tom Cruise being like, I have to save the movie industry from the streaming services. Like, <laughs> oh, and I want to. This is something I wanted to talk about. Please don't watch this at home, unless you, you have. It, unless unless you, it's too late. Well, it's well no, hold on. Anymore. Let me finish. Okay. Unless you have like an insane setup, please <laughs> watch this in IMAX. Like. This movie was made to be seen, or at least ultra AVX at minimum. Yeah. Like, it's just, I don't think you'll get the, f- it won't be the same experience on a, a TV. Yeah. I just, I just want people to experience, and you know, the thing that drives me nuts is like a lot of people, they'll shit on a movie, like a 19, uh, sorry, uh, Dunkirk. A lot of people didn't uh-huh. love it who saw it at home. It's like, but he didn't make it for home. Right. He made it for you to see it. In IMAX. Well, you heard the same thing a lot last year when Dune came out, right? Because they did that dumb thing that they did where they put it out on streaming the same day that it came out in theaters in the U.S. And people who watched it at home hated it. And they fell asleep. And they were like, I don't get it. Why does everyone like it? And the people who saw it in theaters, and especially the people who saw it in IMAX, because the sound would be even more perfectly mixed, loved it right do you know the perfect analogy of that is like you can go see the mona lisa in france in person and it's probably amazing i could look at it on google images and be like this sucks it's just a picture yeah that's the same thing like it's meant to be seen in the the way the director made it like the way that they Mm -hmm. so please if you just go see this in theaters do it you know do yourself a favor but if you have a sick setup at home, I mean, whatever. But I know that's the thing too. Is like if it's already too late and it's not in theaters anymore, and just see it. But just then, you know, try to see it at your friend's house who has a good sound setup at least. Yeah, the, it's just made for grandeur. Like it's made for the big screen. So, yeah. all right, should we move on? I think so. I think we've. Oh yeah, we didn't talk about what we gave. Uh, gave the. Oh yeah, we should talk about what we gave it. I gave it four and a half out of five. I gave it four and a half out of five. Yeah. Yeah. So we agree on Almost that. like it might as well be five, to be mm-hmm. honest. But I, it's just not there will be blood or, you know. That's the thing. It's, yeah. It's not. It's, it's, it's not, gun. you know, yeah. It's not a storytelling masterpiece, but it is a visual masterpiece for sure. It's, you know, up there with 
you know, Mad Max Fury yeah. Road and like I don't, One of the I best action know movies. What else is like the most beautiful action movies too? Because we didn't really. You, oh man, that you, scene. You talked, the... about, you talked about how you know they shot it in the planes, but we didn't really mention how beautiful those shots are. Yeah, uh, those those wide angle lens shots of them in the cockpits are so good. They look so. I mean, they look so real because they are so real. But it just it just so it, it's so well done. And just the kinetic action of this movie, this movie just goes. It just the editing goes, is goes, fantastic. Goes. Yeah. Like when to cut to the face, when to cut to wider shot of them in the cockpit, um, when to cut outside watching the jets. Like it's so well thought out. Exactly. And it, it, yeah, you can tell that the action scenes are so meticulously choreographed because, I mean, there's a little bit of it in the original Top Gun where it's just like you're a little bit confused about where they are in the sky in relation to each other. And stuff like that. And like, there's just like weird cutaway shots of like missiles like flying off the planes and it doesn't yeah. quite match up. This movie, everything matches up perfectly. They flew with the actual Top Guns. Yeah. Which is pretty cool. Just, there, there's no point during any of the scenes where you're like, oh, I'm confused where this plane is in relation yeah, what to happened? the other. Yeah, yeah. Like, where are they? Where, where'd the enemy go? No, I was confused no. for a sec because in the original, the airplanes they fly are two people cockpits. Right. And I thought for a while that these were two people cockpits. What they some were of them single. are and some of them are Yeah, it threw me off for a little bit. That's yeah. the only time I was confused. I just want to say that that scene where he first gets to Top Gun and he's in he's on the aircraft carrier and Sorry, he first gets to where? Sorry, he, he first gets to the battle zone and he's on the aircraft carrier and the jets he's standing and then the jets like it, on a platform takes you up. Oh my god! That's that that I, that shot makes absolutely no sense that they would lower a jet onto the lower deck just for Tom Cruise to come up on. to the top deck. But it looks it's so just good. unbelievably it's so beautiful. Yeah. Talk to me, Goose. So good. Oh, that shot! But we saw it in a trailer, so uh, it's a little like less as powerful because you've already seen it. But it's still beautiful. But, but it comes right off of like him, like you know, looking at the ocean because he threw Goose's name tags in. Or uh, what? What do you call those name tags? I don't know. Uh, dog tags. Dog tags. Yeah, into the ocean in in the first Top Gun, right? So him looking out over the ocean and being like, "Talk to me, goose." Like it's just like, oh, you yes. know, we didn't even talk about the actors in this because there isn't really that much to be said. Their characters are all fairly generic, whatevers. Right. They're but they work. They're basically just like you know Miles Teller's characters, kind of like Rooster. Is this Ro- he's Rooster, right? Yeah, Rooster. Yeah. Yeah. He's kind of supposed to be like kind of like you know a less, you know, a, a, he he's a slow he 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 flies slowly, right? But other than that, he's kind of a fill in for Tom Cruise's you know original character, right? Where you know he's kind of a hothead, you know. Yeah. Uh, then you have like the Iceman re- uh, replacement. Oh yeah, I mean that one's like the very, guy, very direct. Oh, and we do have a shirtless uh, football match, so yeah. it's not quite <laughs> as good as the Top Guns shirtless uh, volleyball. But it, I was so confused at first during the football scene because there were two balls and both teams are playing offense. I was like, "What is happening? Did no one tell them how football is played? Like, oh no, <laughs> no yeah. one on the set knew how football works." <laughs> yeah. And then, it, then. Tom Cruise says, you know, something like, oh, it's dogfight football, both offense and defense at the same time. It's like, oh, thank God. They actually do know how football is played. (laughs) All right. I think enough on Top Gun because, well, it's good we talked more because I really don't have much to say about the next movie, but let's let's go to the next movie. All right. Welcome to Jurassic Park. 
All right, so we're going to talk about Jurassic World. That's a perfect intro for how how I feel about this movie. This movie is the exact same movie that you've seen many times before, if you're familiar with the Jurassic Park and Jurassic World series. I I was like mad, almost, sitting in the theater (laughs) watching this because I was like, you bring back the Jurassic Park IP and you you know you make a trilogy and you don't even bother to make like an arc that goes across three movies. You just make the exact same movie three times in a row. <laughs> actually the second one was decent. I actually enjoyed the second one a little bit. So That's this your one, opinion? Yeah, that's my opinion. But the second this one is just yeah, it, it's frustrating cuz you're like the trailer makes it seem like look the dinosaurs are free on the world and we're going to see dinosaurs in, you know, the Grand Canyon. We're going to see the dinosaurs in New York and we're going to see the dinosaurs, you know, wreaking havoc and they're going to try to capture them. And nope. That's like a short montage at the beginning. It's of the just movie. Jurassic Park, a literal Jurassic Park where the dinosaurs again, I guess they didn't really cause the issues this time. Yeah, but it's just the same thing every time where it's just like we made a new secure park. That the dinosaurs will not be able to get out of this time. And then the dinosaurs get out. Yeah, there's so many weird action, action moments in this movie. And I don't... They, the dinosaurs just like... Like why... He, what does he always... Like, do you think the raptor just under... Blue just understands everything. He's like, I'll get your baby back. <laughs> and he's just a hand thing. Just, oh. I like Jeff Chris Gl- Pratt, but... I don't. I think that he's one of the worst leading men in Hollywood. His movies are always so formulaic and boring to me. Like, the only movie I've ever enjoyed that he was in was Guardians of the Galaxy that I can yeah. think of off the top of my head. Well, he's also really good in Parks and Parks Rec- and Recreation, which is a totally different thing. He's perfect in that. Ever since he became an action hero, his movies have been terrible. Yeah. His well, movie's terrible, and he's bad in it. And the only reason anyone goes sees is because they brought back the original characters. Which they didn't even have the guts to even kill any of them off. Jeff Goldblum's character should have died. I thought that he was going to at one point. I was like, oh, they're actually going to have the guts to kill one of these characters. But you, like, I was actually surprised that Goldblum would be the one that they would kill. Because it seemed like they were going to kill him at one point. Because he is the most available to be in Jurassic Park <laughs> stuff. <laughs> like, <laughs> He's also the most interesting person. I was playing I was playing the uh, Jurassic Park, like, you know, like. I don't know, like theme park game where you can, you'll make your own Jurassic Parks or whatever. And all the other cast is voiced by, you know, just random other like But people. Jeff Goldblum does. Jeff Gold- Goldblum is the only one who actually does his character. Because who else can the do it? The rest of them are just, you know, someone doing a Chris Pratt impression, someone doing a Bryce Dallas Howard impression. Goldblum's like, I'm available. You need me to do a voice for which a video is, game? I'm there. Which is weird because you'd think like Sam Neill, he's not in anything. Really? No, I mean, yeah, just uh, the only thing I can think of is that one Taika Waititi movie a few years ago. Other than that, I haven't seen him in much. Bryce Dallas Howard, what has she been in? She's directing stuff. She's directing oh, okay. Star Wars episodes, like some really good episodes of The Mandalorian. Oh, she directed? Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah, she's... She did that one where uh, the Mandal- Mandalorian defended the the town from uh, walkers. You know what's funny? Se- Seven Samurai-like episodes. Oh, yeah, really well done. Um, I went into this movie just kind of be like, I'm just going to try to have fun. Yeah. And even that was too too much for this. Yeah. 
I just I don't really have much to it's say. It's terrible. It's really bad. It's really poorly written. There's nothing interesting about it at all. Like it the dinosaurs are scary occasionally. Like that's probably the best part of the movie. But even that is starting to get old. You're even, like, oh my god, another another new top core. You know, another mm-hmm. new top dinosaur is going to fight the T Rex, and somehow the T Rex continues to win. Well, and that's the thing too is that even even the climactic dinosaur fight of this movie is the pretty much the exact same dinosaur and fight from the twice. first movie. And Sorry? it happens twice. What? The, the, oh, that the din- the same dinosaurs fight twice. Well, yeah, but the first time the big one wins and the T Rex loses. And just but then the T Rex just time, respectfully walks away. By the way, yeah. <laughs> also, this movie likes to make at the very end it claims that we should all just be live together in harmony. Look at these, you know, man eating or man eating. <laughs> Look at these, you know, ferocious beasts swimming with the whales. They wouldn't hurt them and. The petrodactyls are flying with yeah. birds and the freaking whatevers are running with the horses. Like, sh- oh my God, stop. Yeah. Hollywood, please stop telling me that I need to be more <laughs> like more of a better person because you're an awful person. Every single person in Hollywood is an awful person. <laughs> they need to stop preaching because it's really starting to get annoying. Yeah, I, d- I don't even know what to say about this movie. It's- there was... It's bad. Goldblum's the only enjoyable part I of this Goldblum, movie. I love Goldblum, yeah. He's fantastic. He even said, my, my favorite line in the movie was, Goldblum, someone says something like, you were there at Jurassic World. And Goldblum goes, Jurassic World? Not a fan. And I was like, me too, Goldblum. I'm also not a fan of any of this that's happening. You know what? I thought it was really kind of funny and stupid. Okay, so the company that's evil in this, it's kind of like Monsanto, right? They have like their own corn that, and they engineer... Uh, corn like Monsanto's has like that feed right that like once you once one farmer plants it it invades the uh, next farmer next door's field but then they're not allowed to have that corn and if all you can all you can grow there now is that seed and Monsanto's goes and sues them and so right it's kind of same idea mm-hmm. here where like they made like a, a whatever cricket locust. locust that like will eat up every farm you know feed but the but the months whatever the company but then everything about the company is like apple they're <laughs> Yeah. See, I was like kind of like a Steve Jobs slash um what's his name? The Bill new Gates? Tim Tim Cook. Oh Tim Cook. He looks like Tim Cook a little bit. Yeah, yeah. But Tim Cook's sure, not mod- even an evil guy anyway. They modeled anyway. they definitely modeled him after like big and then, company CEOs. And then the building is a circle with a you know, surrounded by forest. So it's like real yeah. so are you saying that Apple is Monsanto's or like pick a company? <laughs> like you what are you they're just trying to make these wide assertions like Wow, corporations, <laughs> so evil, right? Yeah. Right, guys? Are we all in this together? Corporations are evil. Oh, and, uh, oh, yeah, and we should all be, like, live together and, like, like each other. Yeah. Like, that's the, like... Well, and here's my thing, is that they, 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 they tried to use the dinosaurs as, like, a stand-in for, like, global warming in, oh, in the first God, two movies, yeah. right? Yeah. And then this one, they just, like, didn't, like... Because now they're just attacking... Hey... Corporations are evil. Like a lot of corporations are evil. But I don't need Hollywood telling me. And I don't like, need it to be so generic. But in this one, it was like the dinosaurs, or it was like the message was like, we need to live at peace with the dinosaurs. It was like, is that your message? That we need to just live at no, peace no. with global warming? It's just, you need to live at peace with every, like, I don't know what the, like, what was, uh, it's just so generic and unimportant that it just makes you roll your eyes. Like what the point of the movie was? Well, there's no point. It's just, it's just, it's, it. I don't know. If you see this movie, you'll understand what we're talking about. It's just an insult to your intelligence as a viewer. Yeah, you're just sitting there going. There's some of the things they say 
are just they're just like yeah it's like systemic and you're just like systemic uh it's it's in the system it's systemic corruption you're like it's so on the nose that you're just like oh okay <laughs> and then what's funny is that with those kind of things they're also trying to hit because if you don't if you think oh maybe they're talking about racism no no they're talking about the, the capitalist system no wait no they're just talking about it all it doesn't really matter <laughs> yeah, like, I don't know. They're just trying to just, you know. I don't even know. You see, I, I think you're giving them too much credit. I don't think they're trying to do any of those things. I think they have no idea what they're trying to say. Oh, they're trying I don't to say. Think they're tra- no, I don't think they're trying to say any of those things. I think that they have no idea what they're doing. They're just like, I don't know. If we throw out these like words, then maybe it'll mean something. If we say systemic corruption, then maybe someone will infer some type of meaning out of it. Well, that's what I'm trying to get to. Is that like that's that's my point? Is like they're using such generic words, but they're not being so specific because it could account for anything like togetherness. You know, corporations are bad. You know, we can defeat it all together. Let's live in harmony. It's just like okay, these like this isn't kumbaya. Like like I, I, I just, just I don't know. I I just want if they ever I first of all I pray that they never make another Jurassic Park movie or TV show ever again. I think it's dead. Although it made a lot of money. They'll probably bring it back. I just pray that if someone, when someone brings it back, as somebody will, that they have something new to do with it. If it's just another movie about a dinosaur park that has bad fences <laughs> where the dinosaurs break out because the, you know, the, the person who ran the park got too greedy or whatever, then it's just like there is no point to this. You know what's funny? If dinosaurs ever did break into the po- like regular population, you know how quickly they would die. Like there's like, so many diseases they have no idea. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Their immune systems are like their ancient immune systems. Are like I don't know. That's like a dead. plot point in this movie. Is that like their ancient immune systems are like somehow like beneficial to us? Oh yeah, because they we figure our immune systems figure things out a billion years ago. Well, we just don't the, know. That that's they. the thing. They're like, oh, we can take their ancient DNA and we can use it to heal. Like humanity, and it's like, wouldn't modern lizards have better DNA? Like, like yeah. that's better what adapted about birds? to the current birds conditions like, of our world. Birds are like, yeah, much better for that. Just birds, use the are birds are extremely exposed to disease. Like they, they like spread disease. <laughs> Flying rats. It, it makes it makes no sense to me that ancient dinosaur DNA somehow would b- protect humanity. Maybe maybe I'm wrong. Oh and, yeah, and the little girl's all of a sudden a clone. Yeah, but then she's not a clone. Oh, she's not right. Well, but she the guy is kind of a clone. But the guy figures out the secret in like three weeks, apparently, or whatever. No time. Also, and that actor is—I don't know if it's his fault or the writing. It's the writing. Okay, I hope so. Because he's so bad. I think I've seen B.D. Wong in things where he's season, but maybe I'm wrong. Um, but he—that character is terrible. <laughs> All the characters are terrible. And but just like at the end of the movie, when he's like, "Please, please let me." F- Take take a sample of the girl's DNA so I can stop the locusts. <laughs> I know I created the dinosaurs and created the parks and that like, failed. Yeah. And created the locusts, but please give me an eighth chance. Please, I can be the good guy. Can like, you imagine like the horror of ecology that like how many animals like T Rexes would have eaten by now? <laughs> like I don't know, man. This it's just such a stupid anyway, I just don't even want to think let's about move it. On. This movie's stupid. Um, 1.5. I, oh, damn it. I also gave it one and a half. 
Screw you. What, what do you want me to give one it? One of these times five we, and a half stars. One of these times we will rate a movie different. And than this each other. this movie gets one Tom Cruise out of five Tom Cruises. I would have because gave, Tom Cruise would have made this damn hell damn well good Jurassic Park movie. I, oh, for sure he would have. The only reason I gave this one one and a half and not one is because I love Goldblum and Goldblum made me laugh a few times in this movie, and so that was worth half a star to me. And also him acknowledging. That the movie sucks within the movie. <laughs> yeah, there were some. I, I gave it one and a half because there were some action scenes or some tense moments that I was actually enjoying, like when she, when the what's her name, I don't even care. She okay, falls. One, one last... She falls out of the airplane, lands in the thing, and that weird dinosaur with the big claw hands, yeah. like Freddy Krueger. Oh yeah, yeah. That 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 was kind of cool. I just wanted to talk about one last thing that really bothered. Oh, me. Oh, sorry, and the in the cave. The cave with the yeah, weird yeah. those dinosaurs they that, look that, really cool. that felt like an amusement park thing or something like that where there were like things like popping out like ah <laughs> it was like I was but like, I thought the dinosaurs oh, this is like a haunted maze but I thought like that dinosaurs. the CGI was good in that they looked pretty yeah. cool okay just one last thing I want to touch on that really bothered me about this movie was that it it felt like to me this movie had a real like we'll fix it in post attitude to it which obviously the dinosaurs are done in post obviously but like. There were just so many lines where I was like, well, that was clearly 80 yard in like just like like they start chasing the the girl like that that lady in like the white outfit. And you just hear. Oh, yeah. The- and you just hear like the, whatever the uh, what was what was the bad dude's name who like cares. Honestly, there's so many generic bad guys in this too. Eh? The guy with the long hair. But just like he but, dies, remember he gets eaten by that yeah. that guy. That character immediately, I was like, "Oh god!" But you just hear like these terrible ADR in lines, like "We lost Delacour," like just like, and it's just like it doesn't sound right. It doesn't sound like someone said it over the radio. It doesn't sound like someone said it like next to the character or near the camera that we're at. It's just like this, like these like random like ADR voices just coming in during these action scenes. It's like who said that like which character said that like where is that voice coming from like it's just like well because such a lazy you know what because this movie action movie unlike top gun this movie completely and utterly relies on cgi yeah it's just we'll do it we don't have to worry about it because it's cgi everything is cgi so it just it doesn't look real cgi is great but it just doesn't this there's no improvement. I don't know. Yeah. Can you tell me when did the first one of the new ones come out? Like 2016. I want to say 2015. The dinosaurs look just the same. There's no improvement. No. Did, was there any improvement in the CGI? No. It looks just as bad, and it's bad. I mean, the 1994. What was it? 1992. The di- the T Rex still looks better. Okay. Yeah, 2015 was the first one. Yeah, well, and that's because they used lighting so creatively. Yeah, well, the they could learn from, from that because they, they just... really could. Yeah, anyways, I don't. It's just, anyways, yeah. We're done with this. Uh, let's move on. That's the Stranger Things alarm. Woohoo. Yeah, we're just going to touch on Stranger Things. So um, we watched Stranger Things season four. Well, not all of it because I watched it, has, it twice. Hasn't? Yeah, you watched it in twice. two days. And then you went back and watched the old seasons too. Oh, I love Stranger Things so much. <laughs> it's really good. I mean, obviously, if you haven't seen Stranger Things, like, first of all, what are you doing listening to this? Go watch Stranger Things. This is what I said to my friend the other day. He, he hasn't seen any episodes of Stranger Things, any seasons. So I told him, like, just go put it on. 
if if by the end of the theme music you aren't sold, then I don't know what to tell you. Yeah, you you don't know you don't know anything, and you should go. <laughs> you should you should go pick up a book because that's what you deserve. But if you have I love books by if, the way. If you haven't seen Stranger <laughs> Things, it's kind of like a mix of Spielberg movies and like Stephen King books and like I don't even like I don't know just oh man it's 80s just pop culture all over. Yeah, the Dungeons song and Dragons. Yeah, oh man. Some of the you know what's funny we're watching Obi Wan and we're watching Stranger <laughs> Things and the difference in quality is mind boggling. Yeah, like how does one hit? It, Stranger Things doesn't feel like a TV show. It feels like a movie. It's definitely movie quality level. Yeah, it's nuts. The CGI is amazing. They use a lot of practical effects as well. Yeah. This, but the, uh, someone I watched a video on YouTube. Someone breaking down the differences between why Stranger Things just feels so high quality and Obi Wan Kenobi doesn't. And they just pointed out like the small little details in on sets. There's so many little things. Mm-hmm. Like you, you know they're in one of the characters' uh, rooms, and there's just so many little yeah. things, like little things off side, like put to the side, but like have a meaning thing. And there's a poster that really mm-hmm. like speaks to that character. There's like just the beds off skew. Like there's just all these little tiny details. And, and then it's like every scene has that. Like yeah. every, every, scene, every single uh, setting has like a feel and a character to it, like the boathouse. That, um, yeah, the set dressing is so purposeful in that. It show, just feels what you're saying, yeah, feels so good. And like, oh, I don't know, it, it gives me every, that mo- that show gives me such strong nostalgia for like the first week after I watched it that I couldn't <laughs> stop but just thinking everything. I was just thinking about Stranger Things. The twenty four seven was listening to Stranger Things podcast, watching interviews with cast, <laughs> watching the original C- series. It just gives me this like deep longing for the 80s i don't even know why i didn't grow up in the 80s like i just want to be in in the world it makes me want to be in their world so badly this and here's the other thing about this show too it does such a good job it has way too many characters first of all like, i love all it's the like characters. it's like appro- but they're so good at bringing and that's characters. the thing it appro- it's approaching like game of thrones level amount of characters and it's doing such a great job of balancing all of them i mean joseph quinn Oh, he's so good. He's got a. What's funny is he's a British actor. Yeah. Um, and he plays Eddie, and Eddie has such a distinct American voice. <laughs> he yeah. does such a good job that it's almost like when I hear interviews with Quinn, I want him to be speaking like Eddie because Eddie's voice is soothing. That character's done so well, and then you got the uh, pizza guy. Sorry, what's his? I forgot his name. The uh, Eduardo Franco. Yeah. He's he's so good. Like every and the thing is when they add a character, that character adds so much depth. Mm-hmm. Like it's like almost like the character. I can't believe that character hasn't been in all the other seasons because they're so well intertwined and there's so much. I don't know what. How do they get the cast to have such? Yeah, no, it's so true. It's like it's like you couldn't even imagine. Now that you have like Maya Hawk's character Robin in the yeah, show, can you like, in, you can't even imagine that she wasn't in the first two seasons or like, Max. She wasn't in the first season. Yeah, but she's so. Oh, Max is like the best character on the show. Oh my god, there's that, no one better than Max. Can we talk about episode four, oh Dear Billy? Dude, that, like, that episode has both the I action get scene. Just thinking about that episode, that episode has both the action scene where it's like it's like born identity gun, yeah, and that freaking phenomenal escape from Vecna. Oh my with god, with the music and the acting, Sadie Sink. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and that song became number one. I know it became number one on Apple, um, but I don't. I think it, as far last time I checked, it was number two on Spotify. But still amazing. <laughs> 
<laughs> it had like 340 million it's listens or something. Such a good scene. It's like, <laughs> it's crazy. I don't even know what to say about that scene. It's such a powerful moment. You know what it reminds me of? That whole, that whole scene where she went to the graveyard to like speak to Billy. It reminded me of the the emotional peak of the seventh Harry Potter book when Harry goes to die. Yes. Right? It was just like, oh my God, Max is here to die right you now. Know, you know why it was so powerful is because like Max's character is kind of resigned. She's depressed. And you can almost see that she's like unhappy and questioning life. Mm. I'm not saying she's suicidal or anything, but no, you, you could see someone in that situation eventually becoming suicidal. Yeah. And then she gets put into the situation where she could now die. And Sadie Sink does such an amazing job. Like you could see it in her eyes. Like <laughs> this, like I want to live. You yeah. know what I mean? All those scenes are flashing from the other seasons with like her and Eleven, her and Mike, yeah, her and you know uh, all yeah, the other and characters. What, and then uh, and then that run and yeah. I, Sadie Sink did such an amazing job with oh that. Oh my god! Even like the floating. Yeah, and it's so great too. Like the, you see her and she's like floating and you see up. you can just hear a little it's, bit of their oh voices screaming uh, for her yeah. and like all that combined and this my god i was sitting on the edge of my seat during that scene i think I, I stopped and rewatched <laughs> that whole scene twice because so it was good. just so powerful and then we have to my favorite see that was my favorite scene of the whole stranger things mm-hmm. see all of them but the second favorite a scene of all of stranger things ever was also in that episode and that's the gun what a cool change of pace. <laughs> that was so wild. It felt so weird and out of place, but I loved it so much. But it was so you, in you, place. You nailed it. It's like it's like a it's like a born movie gunfight. It's so it weird. So... The camera it's like a wonder where the camera just goes all around the house following this intense gunfight. It was crazy and it was unlike anything else in the entire series. I love how and the Duffer brothers are amazing at this. Like you have okay, you have one movie here. That's Freddy Krueger. Then you have this funny... And Murray's so freaking hilarious. My <laughs> hands are like arrows. My feet are like spear. The or most whatever of, it the was. The most yeah. effective karate has ever been in any situation like, ever. God, <laughs> it was so perfect. Even the villains that they introduce are my favorite. Like um, the character, the pilot, he's so hilarious. Yuri, he's so funny. <laughs> like he's everything's done so well. But their story is like this adventure story. And then you have Hopper in prison... You know, and then you have the Mike storyline. They're like, it's almost like a Goonies situation. Yeah. And the music changes. I pointed that out to you, remember? I like it, it all of a sudden it goes from like this, like dark, like Vecna is coming yeah. murder to like this adventure, like Goonies style, like mm. Indiana Jones music when Mike is go- they're going to uh, um, Dustin's girlfriend's house. Yeah. I just, and then you have um, Eleven's whole side story and she's like in this experiment and the Duffer brothers jump between all these like, yeah. And all oh, through like the the house stuff, like the like the yeah. haunted house that they go to, well, it's actually not haunted. Well, I guess it kind of kind is. of is, but just like it 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 does the whole like horror like so well. haunted stuff so well. It it's doing so many genres at once and doing all of them really good justice. Too. Yeah, like so it's not like it's doing half ass job on any single genre it's no. just doing each genre just so well and also even though it's like a callback the thing i love about stranger things it's like it could be one of the shows that just relies on nostalgia and that's it it does nostalgia yes. so well but it like yes creates its own yes. like nostalgia 
You know, like it's no, its own sure. thing. It's it's doing yeah. It's it's not hitting you over the head with the nostalgia stick like, like something like Ready Player One does, where it's just like, remember this? Remember remember the Shining? Yeah. Hey hey, remember? Hey remember? Remember? Or like or like with like Spider Man, where it's like, even though it's it's it was a good movie, I shouldn't shit on that because I actually enjoyed um, the last most the most recent Spider Man movie, yeah. but a lot of that movie relied very heavily on your nostalgia of the other movies. Yeah, exactly. Whereas in this show, kind of just. Doesn't necessarily rely on it; it just calls back to Think it. Think about how many people watch this show who never lived in the eighties, like us. Yeah, and a lot of I technically a lot of, did. A lot of people, okay, but you barely remember it. I don't remember at all. I was <laughs> I was born in nineteen eighty, so I've been yeah. uh, two years old. So, I don't remember. But, but. Like all those people, us, and then a lot of people younger than us love this show, right? Teens and people in their early twenties love this show. They have loved it since it came since it came out in. It created, it, it created this whole trend of like eighties callbacks. Yeah. Like and the music, oh <laughs> I mean I watch that theme or the intro every time. I just can't it <laughs> brings me like to tears almost when I when I first I was waiting for season four for so long. Oh my god. <laughs> and it arrived and I was like kind of nervous going like season three was and good, but it was, it was like kind of started getting a little weaker by season three. Like season right, one it started it, feeling like it maybe it was yeah, going to get formulaic. And then season four just comes out with this. Oh, it I was mean, just. I think we can agree that the weakest point in the series is Eleven's storyline in season two, when she that one oh. episode where she goes off to like find her friend. Yeah, yeah. That that stuff's bad, but I don't think than, it was bad. It was just other than that, the characters were a little weak in that. Yeah. Other than that, though, that was the only time when this show has ever really lost my interest. But yeah, this season, I mean, I think this is, I mean, we don't have the final, what is it, two, three There's episodes? two more episodes coming. So we don't have the final two episodes yet, but so far, this has been my favorite season of Stranger Things. Yeah, I give this a perfect five out of five. Yeah. I, well, I, I can't find no any. TV shows, so. Yeah, but I can't find a weakness. I'm just so happy. I I, I just, it's I couldn't really even good. take it all in at one, the first viewing. I had to see it a second time. Yeah. And I'll probably see it one more time before the final two episodes come out, which I want to do a full podcast with guests just on Stranger Things. Yeah. After the final two uh, episodes yeah. come out. We can have we can have uh, a few different guests on. By the way, the final two episodes, the first se- episode eight is like an hour and a half. And episode nine, the final episode is two and a half hours. So I'm just... Oh, and the revelation. Also, the twist was done... So well, it was so good. I like I I I usually you know can like you know out. smell out you know. I kind of was on like coming where I was like I was like you know uh, you, you do figure it out. You're like that, number episode, number one. You uh, in that episode where the reveal comes, you sniff it out ahead of time. But other but before well, but that, not even because I sniffed it out going okay. Oh, he's number he. I I figured as soon as he's like telling the story about number one where he's like. He's like one. I I used to be with one. I know one. And yeah, all that as soon as he said that, I was like, I he's knew one. he was one. But like, I had no idea that he was gonna be Vecna. Like yeah. <laughs> that whole and the way they the way they did it, where it's like they they kind of take Eleven's uh, story yeah. and then combine it with yeah. uh, what's going on in Hawkins and kind of like do this like they have Eleven and he's telling the story to Eleven, but he's also telling the story to Nancy, and it cuts in between that. Like I almost forgot. Like when I rewatched, I was like, oh, that's kind of weird that. He's like, who's he telling it to? I'm not sure he's telling the story to who, mm-hmm. but it just doesn't matter. It's just brilliantly done. Um, yeah. And the practical effects. I mean, Vecna looks so amazing. 
That that is yeah. And that actor, uh, what's his name? I don't remember his. Do you remember what his name is? No, I'd uh, have to look it up. Doesn't matter. Um, he does such a great job doing. Jamie Campbell Bauer. Jamie Campbell Bauer. There you go. He does like such a great job playing both of his roles, right? Both his Vecna and his. I like. I was watching an interview with. I think it was um, with. Uh, I don't know a few couple of the cast members, and they were talking about how far in advance he would have to come to set to do like seven hours in makeup before yeah. they film those scenes. He had a special in between takes. He had a special trailer with air conditioning because his costume got so hot. Oh, he I had imagine. to be in like a really cold room <laughs> like to, to be able to keep the. Yeah, he had to be in a really cold room to keep himself like without like fainting. <laughs> um, he does an amazing job, and then and he does course, such a good job with you know when he's being you know one too but i love makeup. i love so many there's so many little moments where like by the way the actor the little boy they found to play him as a little boy was the eyes like how do they they like and then the facial expressions they they match him like when you rewatch it vecna really does look like number one and number yeah. one really does look like that little actor yeah and then also there's so many little throwbacks like when uh when when she runs into when when eleven's running away she goes into the boiler room and Vecna, or number one, kind of like approaches, like almost like a jump scare moment. Mm. And you're like, the boiler room, because he is Freddy Krueger. Yeah. It's done so well. And then there's even a little Oath to Science of the Lambs with the prison thing when they go see, and the actor is the guy who played Freddy yeah, Krueger. Yeah. Oh, man, there's just so many that little, was, like. That legitimately actually made me jump when he turned around. And oh, like, you see his eyes? His eyes were so shut. I was like, bah! Like that, that actually scared me a little bit. And I love how every character has their moment. Like mm-hmm. every character is so lovable. Like Dustin's lovable. Matt, I, I love Max in this. Um, actually, that 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 crew takes takes the lead. And Murray, of course, but that crew like Max, Dustin, uh, all uh, Nancy, um, Robin, Eddie, and uh, so all, yeah. So I've got a question for you. My friend texted this to me. Uh, which three characters? Out of the all the characters in Hawkins, do you think none of them would survive without? Besides Eleven, obviously, because she has superpowers. Who do you think the three most important characters are to keeping all of them uh, alive? Like they wouldn't be able to live without this person. Hmm, that's a tough question. I don't know. First season, sorry, first two seasons. Um, I guess I would say Will, but Will's possessed, and then Will. Then Will's in the upside down, so his character's not really that important. Will, for Will's not really that useful. Yeah. To the I'd say Mike in season one and two is much more important. Season three and four, Mike kind of becomes less. Dustin definitely. I think Dustin's Dustin's Dustin, one because Dustin figures out so much stuff. Dustin figures out so much stuff, and his walkie talkies are invaluable. To he's the, a super to smart the, guy because the they yeah, and he can even figures out how to communicate between like the upside down and the you know, the real world. Yeah, times. I'd say Dustin. I don't know. That's such a hard. Probably Hopper. Hopper is definitely a good answer. Because like, Hopper d- does a lot for, especially in the first three seasons. But they're surviving without Hopper right now. But are yeah. they? <laughs> they're not really though, are they? Can Can I? Do you want me to give you my sure. answer? So I said Dustin also, and I said Nancy because I don't think so. They personally. they they would never solve a single fucking mystery without Nancy. She did there. figure out. <laughs> she figures out. But Robin had to help her. Right, yeah, that's true. But I, I think Nancy's journalism skills are invaluable. 
right. and uh, Steve because he, they need okay. him, they need him to pick up whatever object is closest to them and swing it at whatever bad guy. I love how Steve <laughs> is so good at kill and fighting like demons, <laughs> but uh, he cannot just, he cannot beat a single person because because <laughs> he gets beat up by. Um, my favorite bit in the show is just how anytime they're in danger, he finds something long to pick up and protect. It's them. like a lamp, or it's uh, <laughs> a lamp or a stick. He's gonna get his bat. He's gonna bat. get his. He's gonna get his bat with nails back. I guarantee you. For the final two episodes, Steve is gonna have a bat with nails in it, and he's. Yeah, I agree. Steve is like, I hated Steve in season one up until like the end, and then Steve in season two and three just really grows on you. Mm-hmm. And now he was awesome. So yeah, my three would be Dustin, Hopper, and Steve. Although Nancy is a good call, I guess. Robin's great too. Oh, they're all good in their own ways. But I'm rooting for Nancy and Steve to get back together. Yeah, you are. You're a Nancy. I've never Steve-er. been. I've never been a big Jonathan guy. I think ah, Jonathan's okay. He, he was kind of a. He was like. He was kind of a creep in the first season. Yeah. And then <laughs> when you actually think about what he, the pictures he took was really weird. It's really creepy. <laughs> yeah. Like that was actually is was creepy. Yeah. And then they actually didn't make a good couple. I thought her and Steve no. made a better couple. Couple. Yeah. They weren't a good couple when they were together. And now that they're apart and they're being all angsty about it. I'm like, just end it, guys. Also, Steve just makes Nancy makes Steve a better person. Because like half of the reason yeah. Steve transformed was because of Nancy. Yeah. And then I think Steve makes Nancy a more interesting character too like a more or less uptight or she doesn't really do that otherwise so i think they're great together of course robin i've heard a lot of people saying robin and uh nancy would be great oh (laughs) i would love that too i love love robin Robin. deserves love i love robin we i mean i think we've talked on oh and max we've i mean yeah oh that scene made me laugh so hard when uh steve's on the boat and he takes his shirt off and uh I can't remember if it was Dustin or one, whoever said it. Uh, he's like, "Oh, Steve has uh, a lot of chest hair," and then I know uh, then that Dustin goes, "Oh, I, a lot of the girls." Steve says a lot of girls really love it, and then uh, Max comes up and says, "Give me the binoculars." <laughs> 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 it's just so well done. <laughs> so funny. Yeah. So do you want to you want to end it there, or do you want to offer a f- some predictions about what you? Think yeah. Happen, why don't or? you uh, predict what you think the upside down is? What you think is going to happen? I actually have no idea. That, I mean, the way well, we that find out things about the upside down in this uh, that we didn't know beforehand, especially that it's stuck in time. Right. So it's it's a, it's like a that picture than more than an actual living creature. The way that they revealed that was so good too. Where it was it was you know, it was a kind of a subtle way that they figured it out. Right. It it wasn't some you know like super lame. Like, reveal it was just like wait a second why is my like why is my gun not in my room I yeah, have wh- a gun. why is my diary in 1980 uh, yeah whatever yeah why is my last diary entry the day that the day that 11 created the upside down yeah like, actually so that's a not snapshot true. in time 11 created upside down when she uh, vanquished vecna which was years before she escaped the lab she only created a connection reopened a connection to the uh, upside down and the real world in the first season so so did the upside down always look like hawkins no i think i think what happened was when she created the connection when she she created the upside down with vecna my prediction and then she somehow when she created the uh when she reopened up the portal she brought in some kind of being from another dimension into upside down right. which was the mind flare and then the mind flare uh 
I don't know if Vecna. I don't. I think Vecna is going to be like uh, the Mind Flayer is still going to be the big bad guy, the like the overarching bad guy. And I think Vecna is kind of like a general of. And then I think they kind of say that. Yeah, like, they said something like that. So yeah. I think that's going to be probably right. Um, I assume there's going to be an epic battle between Eleven and Vecna. Oh, yeah. I don't know. What do you think is going to happen with Hopper? Obviously, they're going to come back. I think they're from the trailer for the final two episodes. There's some weird shit going on in Russia. They find some like they find like a oh, piece. So they're gonna like take down the Russian. I don't know. Well, like, un, like. I don't know, but I think the, the Russians figured some stuff out about the upside down, and they have like uh, there's like a weird. I think they have a piece of the mind flare like in a cage. Do the Russians f- from their portal in Russia? They have a connection to the same. Hawkins version of no. upside down, or is it like an upside down of their area? No, no, they they don't have any upside down. Oh, they uh they tried to open up a portal in Russia, failed. That's right. That's and why that, they had the they, underground base in Hawkins. the mall. Right. And actually, Hopper doesn't go through the portal to Russia. Hopper survives the blast, gets kidnapped by the Russians, and they all escape together. Right. So there was no connection to Russia and the. And the portal, because uh, okay. I thought originally thought when Hopper survived, it was because he went through the portal. Yeah, and then the, they got him out of the other side in Russia. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. that's not how it happened. Uh, There's only the upside down. It's only I think it, I think it only evolves around Hawkins. But I feel like the risk is going to be that it can expand, right, and grow. So, but there's still a lot of mystery surrounding it. I'm not exactly sure how it all works. I just yeah. know that Vecna created it and. Uh, or somehow Vecna was like thrown into it if it already existed. Yeah. And then Eleven recreated recre- a, um, set him free by opening the portal. Why he wasn't in it, the big question is why didn't he, why was he not active until like that time? Because yeah. he only started killing in 1986 or whatever this takes place. In. Yeah. Kind of interesting. Interesting. Well, uh, I think we'll end it there probably. Oh, yeah. One last thing. Oh, yeah. Which character do you think is going to die? Because uh, I heard the next season, the final season, is going to be oh, going to take a leap. Season? There's going to be fifth season, and it's going to leap oh, in time. I thought this was the last season. No, but it's going to have a big leap in time. Well, I mean, what's the, what's the new character's name with the long hair who runs the Hellfire Club? Eddie. Eddie. You think Eddie's dead? Eddie has an epic guitar solo in the next season episode. Not so. looking good for Eddie. Yeah, new characters. Yeah, I don't know. someone's gonna sacrifice. There's a there's a scene in the trailer uh, I, where I got a bad feeling about Steve or Nancy, or because uh, the mom and the daughter, like Nancy's mom and their like a third their other sister, Mike and Nancy's other sister, uh-huh. they're they're on a chair looking like really scared and crying. So uh-huh. there's got to be something like the the Wheelers will get involved. I don't know if the parents. Yeah, you know what? I was thinking that. That's like the only characters, like we were talking, I was talking about how all the characters are so well managed and they all, you know, yeah. you, you you mentioned they all got good equal screen time or whatever. Um, that's the only people who kind of got cut out were the Wheeler parents. Yeah. I mean, they were never like, well, the mom was kind of a little bit of a... Yeah, and season three thing. with, with uh, Billy. Yeah. Those are some of the best scenes. But other, <laughs> other than that... She never cheated, though. She stayed true to her yeah. husband. <laughs> But he's a dumbass, so there you go. <laughs> I love him, but he's a fucking dumbass. Yeah, they, they played a pretty minor role in yeah. this season, so I'm, I, I mean, yeah, I'm expecting more yeah. from the Wheeler parents. All right, we're gonna call it there. We've been talking for a while. Thank you for so much for listening. Uh, you can follow me and Carl both on Letterboxd. 
you can also follow us on Instagram at Carl and Gabe go to the movies or just Carl Pivovarsky. Or Yeah. Or you can follow Carl. He needs new followers. You can watch his new drone footage. I have a lot of nice pictures. <laughs> nice. I got nice pictures. I'm a photographer. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, we'll end it there. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next time.